We're here on the Nick Ant Podcast. This is Jordan Leffler, straight out of Montana. This guy is a recent Glacier National Park Conservancy Award winner, and he is a photographer and videographer. Jordan, what do you do for a living? So are you, would you call yourself a freelancer or would you call yourself a business entity? I mean, it could be both. Freelancer. Awesome. So give me this feel. When did you pick up the camera? Was it when you were a kid? Was it late in life? Did your the way you grew up have to play into you using a camera today? How did it all start? So you guys are filming stunts. <laughs> So pretty much for a long time, you've always known you wanted to do something with the camera. Was there ever a time like that you wanted to do something else or was it always, I'm going to do some with a camera? You were one of the very few to figure it out that young. I was fortunate to get into videography when I was a sophomore in high school. So I can relate to you on that aspect. Just I've had a camera since then. I retired for probably a year because I was doing other things. And then I came back to it like this is what drives us. So you went to college. Did you go to college for video or did you go to college for like something else? Okay, so you went to college. A lot of people in this space don't go to college for that. They always recommend don't go, all that. What is your opinion on that? Do Should they go? Should they not go? What do you think?
אוקיי. One last thing on that. So you did it for video. Would you say you've learned a lot of stuff on the job as in for video production as well as photography? Like there's things that probably school couldn't have taught you and maybe you had to have failed a couple failed a couple of times on set to realize, oh, maybe I needed to do this. That's awesome to hear because as a newcomer into this space, I'm doing a couple of video productions and I'm quickly realizing, oh, I need to make sure I have enough time to set up my audio equipment, my lighting equipment, my camera. Is my transmitter going to my audio right? And that's so true. I'm People don't realize how much soloists do. And then once the budget gets bigger, then you're allowed to have someone come help you. And then you're like, you're like, okay, now now I have a guy setting up my lighting for me and I can focus on the overall story of what's going on, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, Jordan, what's it like to share this with your brother? I mean... You guys share the same passion that you think that like you guys play off each other and what's it like to share it with a family member?
That's awesome. And to add on to that, I know I've worked with my dad on projects and there's just a different level of trust you have with a family member. I don't know what it is. I mean, you grew up with them your whole life. So there's just that connection that flows easy. So when you guys are working together, you're like, oh yeah, my bro's got this. And I can imagine that's like a really awesome feeling to have. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so I remember you telling me a while ago now that you grew up on an Indian reservation. So have you always been there your entire life? And does that play a role in how you take photos now? Yeah.
that's amazing and i want to touch on the thing you told me just recently that we shared a common me and you both are both videographers for our high school for the sports teams so you also wrestled up i remember you telling me and you videoed for football what was all that balance like where you, you were playing sports you were videoing like what was all that what was going on there Mm. Yeah. Only one. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, you got the whole works.
You know, I 100% agree. I started out with video in high school. And then I always said photography is boring. I'm never going to do it because video is so much more exciting. And then I switched over to photography, abandoned video. So now here I am four years later now trying to learn video again. And now that I'm getting better at understanding how to tell stories, and I'm like, when it makes me feel something, then I realize, oh, wow, this is going to make someone else like feel something, right? And like, that's a special feeling. And for your video to go viral, that is amazing. Especially, you said your town is 600 people. And your whole entire high school at that time is just 100 people. So I want to point this out, okay? My high school, my grad, my senior class only, our graduating class was 700 people. Just the senior class. So, so think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. Okay, so all four classes, that's probably around, like we have about 2,000 kids at our school. That, so, yeah, it's special that it went out and affected that many people, but I think it probably feels better to you that the people who you see every day in the grocery store, in the, the feed store and all that stuff like that, that hits a lot harder because those are the people that, you know them, you see them every day, and that's probably what hits different to you. I mean, at least I think that would hit different to me. You know, what they say is art is a form of expression. And I know a couple people, fantastic photographers, right? Fantastic. And you get them on camera or you talk to them, they're, they can't talk that well, but they can express a whole story and movie just through photos. And it's crazy. They're like, but when you talk to them, they're like, they can't talk. And it's crazy that everyone has their own medium. And I do think that you can learn different skills, but I think that you always are going to have your strongest one that comes natural. So for some people, it's photography. Some people, it's doing sculptures. For you, it's doing video. And I think that's pretty awesome, especially when nowadays that you can share all of that at all times. That's pretty special. I want to talk about this. Montana is considered one of the last natural areas in the United States, especially in the lower 48. Obviously, you have Alaska, but nobody visits there. So Montana is pretty much the last wild in the United States in the lower 48. Does preserving the land play an important role in your photography? Because people don't live there, right? So the population there is small. And nowadays, you got people traveling, geotagging on Instagram, TikTok, and all stuff like that. Does protecting your home 
play a role in your photography. I mean, I know you go to all these beautiful places and you don't share it. And I'm, you know, share what's there. I'm fine with that. I don't want people to mess that up. I mean, I have national forests right down the street from me and I don't share those smaller places because they can't handle the crazy crowds. One, two, I would be upset if the whole area got messed up. So what's it like for you? Do you feel a responsibility as a photographer to uh, protect your home? Yep. Yeah.
Oh, no. Yep. It's a, it's a chain. So, you know, a part of the leave no trace principles is to not share locations. And the part where I'm kind of confused about Jordan is this whole Google Earth trend thing, right? They, they, pin, they pin the location, okay? So they're pinning some, like, discrete locations. And then in the caption, it says, leave no trace. So, um, I'm just a little bit confused about that. And... A lot of people aren't willing to take the time to search these places up, which is why they rely on these Instagrammers to show these locations. The Instagrammers are posting these because it gets them views. And then they say leave no trace, but that's not really leaving no trace. And I know that I, I try to not share anything, which I don't ever really, because I want to protect these places. And obviously, like, People just don't put in the work to find these places. You can find them if you look hard enough. Like, I don't know. I feel bad asking them. Like, sometimes people, like, even friends, I don't even want to ask them sometimes. I'm like, bro, like, I promise I'm not going to share it. But sometimes I was going to Google Earth, I find it for myself. Or you do, do enough deep enough research, you can find these places. But at that point, if you're doing that much research on a place, you're more likely to respect the place. At least I think so, because there's some places I found, like, I looked really, really hard to find them in because I know I found it. And like, I was like, nah, many people can find this. Like, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to treat it with respect. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Take the photo. I'm going to leave. Because I know Yosemite, you've, have you been to Yosemite? Okay. Okay. So you've probably seen pictures every spot. So you probably feel like you've already been there, right? And you, they, we have our fair share of tourists, and one thing that they do is they leave plastic sleds there. And the plastic sleds break on the snow, and so they just leave it. And that's a huge problem right now because we have animals getting introduced to plastic. And I know one time I was on the trail, on the waterfall trail, and this couple, they were sitting there. I think girlfriend was recording. Guy was feeding the squirrel cheetahs. I was literally watching this and they look at me stopped recording put the cheetahs away so what's crazy is some people know that it's not okay and i'm sure for you being in glacier it's an up-and-coming national park in terms of popularity and all that so you're starting to finally see all those crazy tourists that i see all the time i see them all the time man so for you you guys are like been chilling all this time all of a sudden, all the people are coming. You're like, kind of questioning if these people know anything. You're like, wow. You know, it needs to be like an education class before they walk in the park. Like, here are the rules. I mean, you have it on the maps, but how much more do you need? 
what can we do to uh, help improve this awareness of protecting the parks? I think. Dude, yeah. Wow, that's the same as Yosemite. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know it. It is. It is tough because 
I'm not, not trying to like be a gatekeeper. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make sure the land stay protected. And I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm like, not trying to say, it's all mine. You guys can't have it. That's not what I'm trying to do. Like the ticket of entry, we had that in Yosemite for the last three years. I've been happy with that. Very happy. And this is the first year that they're going to take it back. They took it away. Yeah. So they're going to reinstitute it for Firefall because that is insane. They block off certain parking lots because people park everywhere. I got trapped one time because they parked illegally. It's insane, man. And so they took it away. So I'm a little upset about that. So I'm kind of curious about how it's going to be. I mean, I don't spend much time in the valley in the summertime anyways because of how crazy it is. I don't want to get mad. <laughs> so I don't go. I'll go to the backside. We have this other road called Tioga Road. And that's where I spend most of my time on all those hikes. And they're a lot longer. So most people aren't going to do those hikes anyways. So I probably won't see anybody. And even if I do see people, it's going to be legit people who are already respecting the land, which is cool. But so to something I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite photo you've taken? Is there a favorite one or is it too hard to pick? That's what I was going to say. Probably, if you can find a favorite, tell me one that maybe holds the most best memory. Wow. I 100% agree. You see all these professional photographers. It's a banger every time, man. You're like, dude, how did these guys just keep capturing bangers? Well, first of all, they have the skills to be able to capture these shots. Second of all, they're able to spend days on end at these locations. They might go to the same spot five times and they're there at the right place, right time. It might be on the fifth day that they capture those perfect conditions. So I think half the battle is tuning your skills. The other half of the battle is being at the right place, right time, knowing when the conditions might light up because conditions can make or break your photo. I mean, you can do the best editing in the world, but if you don't have great conditions, it's not going to do a whole lot, right?
Yeah. Exactly. I agree 100%. I've been to some locations many times in a row. I've gotten a shot I've been happy with almost every time. I look at the shot, okay, why didn't it do... Also, why didn't it do good? So I go back another time, I try it differently, I try it differently, I try it differently. Until you finally are in that right spot to take that photo. And then sometimes the conditions light up too. So you've taken it maybe 20 times. Conditions weren't good. You messed up the exposure, you messed up the comp. And then you come in that 21st time. You, you know what you're going to take. And then the conditions light up on top of it. It's just, it, to me, it seems like it all plays together into one. Like you said, you spent 35 days. And that leads me into to this. The splash water effects on your, some of your photos, man. You're pretty much famous for that on your account, Instagram account. It's epic. So are you the one throwing the rocks or is that your brother doing that? Okay. Dude, I mean, you're famous for it, man. You're like, that's one of your, that's one of your trademarks at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I could imagine that. I mean, I've never thought about it like that. I mean, I'm always trying to take unique shots of all these locations. I mean, I live next to Yosemite, Sequoia. I mean, Every shot that you can think of has been taken, man. Almost every shot. And then you try to just find something just a little bit different to make it your own shot. First of all, it's always going to be your own shot because you took it. But second of all, you can add an element, change the comp just a tad bit to make it your own. So I like the idea of adding that splash effect in there because I know photographing lakes can be a hard one to make your own composition because... Especially if you're in an area where like the trees and the bushes are not a lot close by where the lake opens up for the balance in the background. So adding that little texture foreground with the splash, that makes a lot of sense. That's clever, man. I like your thought process behind that. And I, I know I had to ask. That was like pretty much one of my number one questions I wanted to ask you. I mean, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's Jordan. If anyone else does it, I don't know who else would do it. You're pretty much the only one I follow that does that, man. <laughs> so i used to think that you were only a photographer i knew you like you posted like reels and stuff like that but i didn't realize how much you were in the video which i think is awesome and i'm just kind of curious 
when you go to these locations, are you going for photography or for video? Or do you kind of just go and say, I'm going to do both? Or are you saying, all right, this is a photography trip. This is a video trip. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like days for work. I'm just talking about your fun days. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. So what is your gear set up like? Are you a Sony user? Are you Canon? And what cameras are you using? What I heard you mentioned your mid-rate lens and your telephoto. Um, what's your setup like? Team Sony, baby, let's go. I have it right now. Yeah. I love it. So nice, bro. So nice. Yeah. Mm
Oh, yeah. So this leads to me one of my last questions. Does gear matter? Oh, yeah. That's so nice. I know the common saying is uh, gear doesn't matter until, until it does. Um, I try to explain to other people that you don't have to buy the best lens. So I have the G Master series. And the only reason I bought, I kept buying G Masters because I bought really expensive ND filters that fit my, my 24 to 70. I bought the Peter McKinnon ones, right? And those are not cheap, right? So I'm not trying to buy a Tamron wide angle lens and have to buy a whole new set of filters that are going to cover that that thread. So I ended up buying the G Master 16 to 35 lens so I can use the same filters on the same lenses. And maybe I maybe I could have saved money by buying a cheap filter and a cheaper lens, but I just wanted to keep it all the same and uh make it flow nice, but dude, my a lot of my friends shoot on Tamron. I the pictures, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I've watched the breakdowns of those. I'm like, bro, how did you even know that? Yeah. That's awesome, man. So closing out, what advice would you give to a beginner creative, whether it's photographer, or videographer? I mean, I've been at it technically for five years, but seriously, maybe for the last two, maybe, what would you say to someone just starting out? They picked up their first camera or maybe they haven't yet. What would you tell them? Like, what advice would you give them? You've been at it for many years.
I think that's a huge part of it. A lot of people don't talk about that part, the accountability buddy. So my girlfriend, she's not into photography. She's not in the video, but she knows how much I like it. So there's days when I'm not motivated. I'm not inspired, but she's like, Nick, you got to go. Like in order for you to get recharged and be inspired again, you actually have to go out there and take those photos to feel inspired again. What happens when I go out there and take photos and I'm out in nature? I come back home, I'm all excited. All right, let's go. I'm ready for the next time I'm ready. Let's go, baby. I'm ready. I'm excited. Bro, a lot. She's not a morning person. She's not a morning person either. So she is an angel for that. She sleeps on the way up there. She doesn't like the morning, but she goes to me because one, she wants to make sure I don't die on the hikes. (laughs) And two, she just wants to make sure that she's there to support me and make sure I get it done. So I think having her there to help me out with that was huge. And I'm also glad that it's over because I can now go, I can now go to the mountains and be more intentional and focus on telling more stories than just going up there because I have to go watch a sunrise, even though it was fun. I mean, I was able to see a lot more sunrises than I would have ever gone to see. So closing this out, where can the people find you on Instagram? Are you on TikTok? Okay. What's the app? Or Instagram, TikTok. Jordan Luffler. Awesome, man. Jordan, thanks again for coming on here. This You're my first podcast host. I know, you're my first podcast interviewee, so I'm happy that you were the first one. I was excited because you're not from where I live, so I really wanted to get your perspective on things. I mean, you live in an awesome place, and keep posting those great photos, man. I mean, you inspire me, and I'm probably going to be asking you questions later on to business advice, stuff like that, because I'm just joining joining your world right now. <laughs>